Hello, everyone. Welcome to the WPB Health Consulting Podcast. Our mission is to bring clarity to health consulting and coaching. How we achieve this is by educating and empowering our clients through their specific lifestyle change. On today's podcast, we'll be navigating the psychological components within contest prep. Many podcasts discuss contest prep, but very, very few talk about what it truly takes from the psychological component. Today, our guest is none other than the owner and head coach at Gifted Performance, Mr. Ryan Zeisloft. He and his team have successfully brought hundreds of competitors to stage. They work on all levels of bodybuilding and contest prep. We're going to discuss truly what it takes from the coaching and client side of things to be a successful coach and competitor within bodybuilding. So without further ado, let's get excited and hear what Ryan has to say for us today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the WPB Health Consulting Podcast. I'm here um, with Ryan here today. We're going to go into the psychology of contest prep and application. And what I really want to do here today is discuss um, from the coaches and client standpoint, um, Uh, Ryan and I both have been competitors, but also coaches throughout contest prep. And so today I I can't wait to hear his knowledge as um, he and his team have had so many successful athletes at gifted performance. So let me give him a little bit of an introduction and then I'll have him introduce himself and then we're going to get into this. I'm so excited. Um, So Ryan has over 10 years of experience in training um, and competing in bodybuilding, powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting. He received his bachelor's of science degree um, in exercise science and master's of, of science in applied exercise physiology from the University of Central Florida. He is a certified strength and conditioning specialist, tactical strength and conditioning facilitator, certified exercise physiologist, and USA weightlifting sports performance coach. Wow, Ryan, you have a lot of certificates, man. You're crushing it. Um, so you're super qualified. But without further ado, let's have you introduce yourself to our audience and explain a little bit more before we get started. I appreciate that. You know, I just want to go out on a limb here and say I did not pay for any of those certifications. So good thing was I used to work as an instructor of exercise science. And one of the really good parts about working at the university is they told me that they would pay for all of my continuing education credits. So I just kind of like rubbed my hands together and I said, all right, you know, let's run it up. Let's see how much you'll actually pay for. And they never balked. They just kept paying and I just kept getting more letters after my name. But um, I appreciate that. Uh, that really good intro. Yeah, I, uh, I, I own and operate Gifted Performance. Um, we're a competitive bodybuilding, powerlifting, weightlifting, CrossFit, as well as kind of like a just general population health and wellness uh, company as well. We have, you know, mom and pop that want to lose five pounds. And then we have we'll also have international, national level weightlifters, powerlifters, IFBB pro bodybuilders, natural pro bodybuilders. Uh, we like to do a little bit of, a little bit of everything over there um at gifted so come check us out if you don't first check out wpb consulting oh my gosh thank you so much um yeah you guys should see their website they they go in really into depth of their their wide plethora of like i said of different um abilities uh especially specifically each coach too so let's get started then ryan um i know if you're excited as i am we're going to talk about contest prep today and oh yeah i'm ready yeah, let's do it. So we're going to get into the psychology of things. Something that 
um, a lot of podcasts don't discuss um, is they don't really go into the psychology of contest prep. And so um, one things that one of the things we want to do is if you are can either considering contest prep or you have been through a contest prep, um, feel free to reach out to us um, and we can kind of discuss these topics. But first things first. So um, especially in contest prep, you have um, competitors um, who are considering dropout. So can you kind of list the stages of dropout, dropout or a timeline that you commonly see during um, a contest prep and physique-based competitors? And how does this usually come up? All right, let me preface my answer. I think uh, Austin did a really good job right there of highlighting something that's a bit of a problem in the evidence evidence-based fitness community. And that is that we get super numbers oriented, super science oriented, and we only focus on the physiology and we forget kind of the interactions between the physiology and the psychology. So Austin, you sang my praises. I'm gonna sing your praises as well. Very well done, nicely highlighted there. Um, but into the actual question itself. So stages of dropout. And again, I don't wanna be the guy that comes on the podcast and just says, it depends. So I'm not gonna say that. I'm gonna talk 100% from anecdote. We at Gifted have coached over a, a couple hundred people into contest prep. So I'm just gonna highlight kind of the three time course or periods that I see people drop out of a contest prep. So the first of those is gonna be within the first four to six weeks of prep. So if you are someone who's gone on a fat loss diet or gone on a contest prep diet, those first four to six weeks, what usually happens is energy availability in the diet goes down. Usually that's a function of reducing carbohydrates, fats, or a mixture of the two. When you reduce your carbohydrate intake, you get less carbohydrate and water retention in the muscle. So you get a bit of a deflation of the physique without much fat loss to show for it. The first four to six weeks of a contest prep, you may lose 10 pounds. Four to five pounds of that might be fat loss, where the other is all water retention. So for males who like to really fill out their t-shirts, you know, they like to punish the sleeves on their t-shirts, you might feel a little bit skinnier and you don't really look that much different. And it's kind of discouraging at that point because you're like, man, I've been dieting hard. The scale is going down. Why don't I look any leaner? So for men who really focus on that side of things, it can be a bit of a struggle. There's also another piece of information that one of the coaches at Gifted brought my attention to recently, Paul Serafini. And he told, he, he, he explained to me that Early on in a contest prep for males, a lot of that fat loss that you're getting is actually visceral fat. So it's from that visceral fat depot surrounding the organs and that your waist will get smaller. You might be able to pull a deeper vacuum, but you quite literally don't see any change in your extremities. Your arms look the same, your legs look the same, delts, all of that, your back looks the same, but all you're losing is really fat in that visceral depot, which again, it can be pretty discouraging. Um, and from a coaching standpoint, so that was kind of the client standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, this is going to be even more true if you are someone or if you're dealing with a coach who likes to drop calories very low from the start. So if you are someone or you are working with a coach who wants to crash diet you from the start, not only are you going to get that kind of change in look where you deflate without much fat loss, but you're also going to have to deal with a lot of the physiological mechanisms here of you feel like crap, lethargy, hunger, cravings are way up, your, um, your training might be crap. And the greater the magnitude of the deficit out of the start, the greater 
magnitude of metabolic adaptation you're gonna get. You're gonna see a greater decrease in things like thyroid hormone. Leptin is gonna just completely drop off. Ghrelin might go up. You're feeling a lot hungry, a lot hungrier. And that's just kind of what you get um, when you start off with a very low calorie diet out of the gate. For some individuals, they're on a very truncated time frame. They need to get ready and they need to be on stage in 12 to 16 weeks, and that's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. But if you want to plan out your prep and be as successful as possible, give yourself a solid 24, 28 weeks so you don't have to start fast and you can fit in some of those diet breaks and refeeds. So before I go into my time frame, I'll just see if you had anything that you wanted to add there. Yeah, I want to highlight a couple things that Ryan did an excellent job of is you know, from the coaching side of things and the client side of things is highlighting the two aspects, not necessarily separate, but in continuum. So they translate directly. So highlighting this for those who are listening, if you're a competitor, it's good to understand why your coaches are dropping calories from your specific timeline. Like you said earlier, like, are, do you have a prolonged specific timeline of, Hey, I need to get the stage in 24 weeks where I can include and you highlighted like some diet breaks and some refeeds. We're going to talk about those here in a second. Um, but he does a great job of describing a understanding, you know, if you're looking at from the coaching standpoint, if you're, if your coach is dropping calories aggressively right away, that may be a red flag to keep in mind. Um, from the physiological side of things, like you said, the, the feelings of hunger, uh, lethargy where you're just having trouble moving. Um, and then your thyroid hormone suppression are results of that. So it's, it's definitely something that I want to really highlight and make sure that we, we, we cover here today. So the second, the second one that I highlighted here was kind of what I call midpoint fatigue, and that's six to eight weeks out. So again, if you are someone who has prepped before, that six to eight week out time frame is like, wow, the diet sucks. Yeah. I'm doing a lot of cardio. I feel like crap. My training isn't the best. I'm not as lean as I want to be at this point. Even if you are lean, the prep goggles are very real at six to eight weeks out. And there's no like light at the end of the tunnel. You're like, oh, 42 to 56 days left of this. I'm uh, There's no way I might just shrivel up and die at this point. So some things that I highlighted on the client side of this. So the diet is getting very hard at this point. Hunger is a lot higher. You're feeling a lot more tired throughout the day. The cravings are probably pretty bad. Um, you might be having some thermoregulation issues as well. You're extremely hot at some times, types of the, times of the day. You're extremely cold at other times of the day. Um, the prep night sweats, the, the prep insomnia, they're probably starting to hit, hit you at this point. The hunger has gone from in the morning, I'm super, super hungry and I have to crush a really big breakfast to make myself feel good for the rest of the day to it doesn't matter what I eat. There's no amount of food that could fill the endless void that is my stomach. That's basically kind of how you feel all day. And that's something that from a psychological standpoint, it's good to just know that that's what it's going to be going in because you can try and, you know, eat a bunch of volume foods, uh, drink a bunch of diet soda, chew a bunch of gum. That stuff is a Band-Aid on a gushing wound. You might as well just accept that that's going to be part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you know from experience, you know, the feeling of, oh my God, like this is it. <laughs> this is the, the time 
during the prep where you're you're just like how it's like it's like climbing the mountain when you're like halfway up to, and you can see yep. the top but you're just at the point where you're like this is not going to happen at all um but that's the importance of having a of coaches um to support you so in we'll kind of um go off of that topic a little bit here so how do you kind of preface um some of your clients who are going through that for the first time you, you know in the four to six week category um where they haven't gone through this before they're they really want to do a contest prep and you know they have kind of the the prep goggles on at this point how do you kind of prepare them for that situation so all of my clients get kind of like a debriefing up front. Mm-hmm. Here's how you're going to feel at this point. Here's how you're going to feel at this point. As we get closer to peak week, you'll probably feel a little bit worse. Peak week is kind of that stress-free week here at the end. So going into it, there's an understanding. And what I try and do is I try and overstate it. So I, you know, I undersell on a, I just undersell over deliver kind of that kind of uh, mindset of telling people like this is really gonna suck like suck a lot and they get there and they're like you know it's not as bad as you say yeah I, you know, I, uh, <laughs> psychological little trick right there for you <laughs> i think that this is a time i think this is a time frame in prep when as a coach you really have to stay on top of your clients you have to check in on them with a little bit more frequency um make sure they're maybe they're sending pictures sending training videos a little more frequently Give them a little bit more of that positive feedback, that reinforcement, because they're not going to see the changes, but something as simple as, you know, let's take a picture from when you were 20 weeks out, take a picture from where you are six weeks out, let's put those next to each other, send it over, and boom, you get this big, big increase in motivation just from something simple like that. So this is when, as a coach, you're going to have to do some coaching here. Absolutely, and I think there's... Um, a lot of the coaching that goes into this side of things is like the motivational interviewing, the five stages of change, you know, um, for those who are listening, like those are pre-contemplation, contemplation, action, maintenance. Um, and then, I mean, if you have a relapse or a lapse, this is a time where you have to understand like the stages, if they're stable or not. Um, because these, these clients, especially, um, you know, first time I'll go with first time clients are more susceptible to being like, you know, screw it. I'm done. Like I can't can't do this anymore I push too far um, whereas people who have kind of gone through it before they kind of know it for the most part but I think what Ryan did is he like he said he debriefed these clients in a great way of you know like over delivering underselling type thing I think that's hilarious yeah. but also it works out so well in this situation you're like hey this is gonna suck we gotta embrace it at this point so I think you do, did a great job highlighting um, so let's let's jump into the to the next topic. How's that sound of kind of mitigating some of those psychological stressors? Yeah, uh, let's do it. So we talked about the stages of dropout and psychological fatigue, especially during at that point the dropout phase, right? So if you're a first time competitor or if you've competed before, you get to a point where you're like, oh my god, this is this embracing the suck type thing. So how do you mitigate? your athletes um, with that? Do you use diet breaks, refeeds? Do you kind of plan out a timeline and work with stress management? Walk me through kind of the ways that you guys do that at Gifted Performance. So the way we do it is like you would lay out a, a macro cycle or a training, like a full large training block for a client. If you're familiar with kind of the concepts of periodization, specifically block periodization, this is a block here where you know we're going to diet hard, and then we come in here, we got an active rest, which might act as like a diet break or a refeeding window, and we kind of just plan out the blocks. 
send it over to the client so they understand. Okay, you know, so from September 19th to October 31st, that's a digging phase that's gonna be hard dieting. But if I look past that October, whatever the hell date I just said, um, I've got a refeed or a diet break that I can look forward to. So diet breaks and refeeds as a whole are often filled incorrectly by coaches that I think are intentionally misleading their clients. So diet breaks and refeeds are sold to you as like this way of, you know, boosting your metabolism, making the diet not suck. Your hunger will be completely gone. Your training will be amazing. And I think it sucks for clients to go into a diet break or a refeed and come out of it and be like, I don't really feel that much better. Like maybe I did something wrong. Maybe the diet break didn't work for me. Maybe the refeed didn't do what it was supposed to do. Or maybe I didn't hold up my end of the bargain. So I always tell clients that these refeeds, these diet breaks, they're a double-edged sword. Some clients, they love them. They tolerate them really well. They slip right into a diet break, bring their calories up to maintenance or a little bit above maintenance if needed. And then they feel amazing at the end of it, whatever it is, seven, 10, 14 days, and they slip right back into the diet. But you do see that client every so often that just doesn't come back from it. It's like they get a taste of the good life. They get a taste of 105% of maintenance calories. And they're like, holy crap, that dieting stuff sucked. Never going back coach it's off season mode let's rock it yeah <laughs> i think that is definitely true it's it's understanding your client um from that side of things because everyone's going to be different from that decide the decision of dropout right so um like you said if they're 105 percent and they're just like you know what screw it i'm done like that definitely happens but you also have those who are like hey i feel great after two two days of a refeed even or yeah. I did a whole diet break and I feel great. Um, but yeah, I think that's great. What you highlighted is fantastic. And really um, giving the, the viewers an opportunity to view, um, you know, the coaching side of things, but also the client side here. So and I don't want to think, I don't want everyone to think I'm all doom and gloom on diet breaks and <laughs> because they, they definitely do have their benefits, mm -hmm. um, you know, lessen the overall strain on you mentally so you feel good you can finally go out with your significant other and grab something to eat because you got some extra calories maybe your sleep gets better less hungry lower cravings also that increase that elevation in body weight that comes with a diet break or a refeed will also kind of elevate your total daily energy expenditure again so when you drop back into a 10 15 percent deficit whatever it is it's it's less of a strain on you so there, there are some benefits there my biggest question what i'm waiting to kind of see from the research because jackson pios i think he's at aut auckland technological university something like that yeah. um he's doing a lot of research on diet breaks and i'm kind of waiting to see when that stuff gets published because a diet break will offset some of those negative metabolic adaptations. You know, leptin, ghrelin, thyroid hormone, you'll fill out some glycogen, you might regain some muscle. All that is fine and dandy. But my biggest question is how quickly does that stuff drop off again when you get back into the diet? Because there's a lot of research that shows in seven to 14 days, you know, your thyroid hormones, all of that is essentially tanked again. So yeah, you got to plan this stuff in. Yes, there's some benefits. But again, it comes back to what you said of you should be planning out the entire prep in its entirety. Mm -hmm. And and we're not saying like, um, for those who are listening, we're not saying like giving them like, hey, this is exactly what you're going to eat week to week. That that's that I want to make that very clear too. Yeah. Um, I think that's a red flag for, for those who are in a contest prep too. If your coach is laying out like, hey, the next 12 weeks of 
hey, this is what you're going to eat on this week versus this week versus this week for 12 weeks at the very beginning. That should be like, hey, stop, hold, like pump the brakes, pal. Like this is what we need to change. Um, so I think what Ryan said, though, is prefacing the whole um, whole contest prep in regards to, hey, this is how you're going to feel during these stages. That's That's the important thing. your clients work full-time you have like a a nurse or you have someone who's really busy um full-time working how do you educate and empower your clients to a more successful prep without them wanting to kill their (laughs) their uh, co-workers and make sure that they get through a prep and be able to step on stage successfully well i make them sign a waiver that says if you kill one of your co-workers (laughs) call me to bail you out i'm not coming for you you're on your own then (laughs) So what I do with this, with with individuals who work full-time, is there's kind of two types of full-time working clients. There's your variable schedule individuals, and then there's like your consistent schedule individuals. The consistent schedule individuals that work full-time are significantly easier to work with than people who work part-time, don't have a job, in college, live with mom, whatever it happens to be, because they wake up, it's nine to five, they go to the gym, they come home from the gym, they eat their dinner or their dinner, their snack, whatever it is, they go to bed. And five days out of the week, their schedule looks exactly like that. So that's super, super easy. From the start of prep, sit down together, say, all right, what are your Mondays through Fridays look like? I wake up at this time, I shower, I eat, I go to work, I bring this amount of meals, I go to the gym. And it's super, super easy to just lay out a schedule of, all right, here's what your day is gonna look like to eliminate that guesswork of like, oh, should I, you know, grab lunch with my coworkers? You know, am I going to dinner this time? Maybe I'm going to the gym before work this time. Eliminating as much guesswork as possible decreases the overall mental strain on the client, which at the end of the day is fantastic. Oh, any deviations from the schedule? Constant communication. Another one that you'll hear me talk about a lot for coaches is that constant communication. If you don't want to be available to your clients, most hours of the day, most days of the week, I would say pick a different occupation that requires you to be less in contact or less personable with people. Now, the other individuals that are a little harder to deal with are the variable schedule individuals. So police officers, firefighters, you said nurses, um, doctors, people who are on call per diem where they don't really know exactly what their schedule is going to be. That's an individual that you have to sit down with, have a longer conversation and say, all right, what are all the possible ways that your day could go? And then let's plan around those and have a bunch of redundancies and contingency plans in place um, if stuff does pop up. Because when you're prepping and you're dieting and you got other stuff going on in your life, shit happens. And at the end of the day, it's it all comes down to game planning. Game planning, game planning, get yourself a little notebook, write down your schedule for the day. Um, as soon as you think it, ink it. If you can ink it, think it. I don't know. There's some saying in there that I'd heard before. Not coming to me. Yeah, I think that's that's a great highlight of understanding your client's needs. Um, because at some point, they're going to get to the point where they hate choosing out their clothes the night before. Um, I mean, from the psychological fatigue of that side of things where you're just like, I have to wear socks of this color. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it's even that... Um, dramatic in that side of things. But um, one thing that I always like to preface with our clients is um, it's going to sound really, really basic, 
but proper preparation prevents poor performance. I mean, truthfully, in this side of things, this goes from the client side of things and the coaching. As long as you can prepare for the situation as best as possible, I mean, understanding like life gets in the way, there's things that come up. Um, but if you can plan those things out um, and having, like you said, contingent plans set up in place so that if you need to change a client schedule, that's great. Ryan really highlights a lot of those specific things in their coaching, um, specifically uh, being able to understand the client, what their schedule is, if they're a full-time structure. Um, and I really enjoy discussing like, hey, if you are a per diem or <laughs> live in your mom's basement, for example, um, example, um, it's better to understand your client from those side of things. So I think you did a great job of highlighting those. Austin just dropped a bomb on you guys with that mental energy. Mental energy is an expendable resource, guys. You can't just white knuckle your way through life. So well done, sir. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, so under so going into the next question here, you know, understanding that there are a lot of different factors like we talked about that cause psychological stress prior to competition how do you help your athletes prepare for their you know let's say their upcoming competition say they're really far deep into prep um and they're a couple weeks out and you're like okay this is let's say it's their first competition or it's a big competition like uh, like nationals or something like that how do you get them prepared from the psychological thing so that they're not stress eating they're they're not getting to the point where they're just crushing themselves in the gym where they look like crap when they step on stage how do you get them prepared in, in to those situations? All right, so a couple different avenues that we go here because you touched on a couple things there. You touched on the training, you touched on the nutrition and the psychological aspect of kind of like what to expect on game day. Um, so what I'll try and do for my clients from the psychological standpoint is I'll try and reach out to promoters or get them to reach out to promoters to kind of see what the schedule for the day is actually going to be. You know, prejudging is eight, at 8 a.m. You got an athlete meeting at 7 a.m. Um, here's when the night show is. Here's when all the athletes meeting. Here's when you tan, check in, all that stuff. So we can get as many times as we possibly can and we can set out a specific schedule. All right, here's when you're going to eat meal number one and two. Then you're going to go check in. Then you're going to get your tan. As soon as your tan is done, go back to your hotel room, hang out, eat meal number three, you know, send me some photos 90 minutes later. What I'll do is I'll just lay out as much of a nice, succinct schedule as I can so that they've got something to follow. The more irregularity or the more that there is up to question there, the more their mind is going to wander. On game day or the times leading up to game day, you want them thinking as little as possible. Just follow a plan to remove the stress from the situation. Um, on the nutritional side of things, what I'll do at about two or three weeks out from a client is I'll schedule a Skype call. We'll sit down and we'll actually develop a meal plan. So for most of contest prep, what we do is kind of a flexible dieting. If it fits your macros, track your macros kind of approach. But leading up to the show, when we want to control as many variables as possible, save up mental energy like you mentioned, we'll actually switch over to a meal plan that the athlete and I create together. So it's not like, hey, um, you know, four spears of asparagus and four ounces of boiled chicken for breakfast or, or anything like that. It's still foods that they enjoy, but it's something that they can follow to reduce um, any mental strain. Training, we just keep things, you know, anywhere from like two to three RIR so that it's productive training, but it's not too damaging so that we're not getting any kind of bad swelling, muscle damage, fluid retention that comes with that that might throw off um, the scale. 
Yeah, I think you highlight a lot on, like we, we did divide it into three variables, um, essentially the, the psychological, physiological, and then also the combination of both and how, how we work around those. And I think Ryan highlights a couple things here. Um, leading into the contest, um, it's important, like you said, to have structure and eliminate any fatigue regarding psychological fatigue. Because even the night before, like let's say this, this person can't sleep, this person is struggling to like, they're rolling around, they're moving a lot. Like the energy expenditure with that could cause some problems potentially. Uh, I'm not saying it does, but that, that there's a, there's a variables under those guidelines. The nutrition side of things, I think what you you highlight is the structure of being able to be very um, understanding of what the client needs, but also to be on track to eliminate, like you said, any variables. And the last thing here um, from the training side of things, not pushing too hard up into it. And reps in reserve is what he, he's talking about, RIR for those who are um, not familiar with the RIR principle or using percentage of rep max, um, understanding like, hey, we're not going to failure. We're not crushing it in the gym. Um, basically, you're, you're getting close to failure, but not to the point where you're like, oh my God, I'm, my arms are bursting out of my sleeves, fill the sleeves. Um, but here's the thing is they do a great job of highlighting all of those and if you guys do, I should throw a plug in here. If you guys do have any questions, you can reach out to him. I'll provide all of this information in the podcast as well. So, Hey, everyone. I hope you're enjoying today's podcast with head coach Ryan at Gifted Performance. Before we move on to our next specific topic, I want you guys to be aware of what's coming up next. Ryan's going to talk about how he mitigates psychological fatigue in his athletes. Psychological fatigue is not endless, guys. We've talked about a lot of the physiological factors that have resulted in psychological fatigue. So by mitigating that, we can help bring clarity to coaching. So without further ado, let's hear what Ryan has to say for us today. To prep, um, do you use any supplementation to help with the, the psychological fatigue when they're four to six weeks in, six to eight weeks in, 12 weeks in. Um, for example, a lot of, um, I've seen a lot of coaches use like Rodelia Rosa. Um, I don't know if I'm butchering that name, but that's the supplement abuse. Um, they use L-carnitine, those type of things to help with um, psychological fatigue. Are you specifically, you know, helping educate your clients on those side of things? Or so those are yeah, those are some there's so there's potential that some of those could help. It's just an issue of cost to the client versus reward that you're actually going to get from it. So you brought up Rodelia Rosea. That's a that's a decent one. Some good, good research in individuals suffer, suffering from anxiety. There's the kind of the neurological side of creatine, which you mentioned as well. And then there's kind of some of the other stuff that you hear people mention all the time, the CBDs, whether that be the, the smoking or tinctures or creams. I don't even, they probably make CBD suppositories at this time. Just miss me with that. Or like the essential oils, like, you know, at the end of that six weeks out, I switch over from a nice peppermint oil to a lavender oil. <laughs> like, oh, well, okay, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so if a, if a client comes to me and they say, hey, listen, I've been taking, you know, this new uh, whale juice extract to help with my stress. I'm like, okay, how is it helping? They're like, oh my God, I feel so much better. Sweet, it must be magic, stick with it. Just <laughs> keep rolling with that. But what do I actually prescribe yeah. out to my clients? Sure. 
none of that. What I try and do is I treat the cause as opposed to the symptoms. So you're feeling anxious, overly stressed, your sleep is garbage. Why are those things happening? So we get to the root of it and then I say, oh, you're sleeping bad because you're overshooting your training intensities in the gym. You're sleeping bad because you're doing too much cardio. You're sleeping bad because your meal timing is off and you're not leaving yourself enough food at the end of the day and you're going to bed starving. So you wake up in, a lot of times in the middle of the night extremely hungry with low blood sugar, whatever it may be. So I go back to the actual cause instead of trying to just lump on other variables again to uh, treat the problem. Gosh, man, this, if anyone is listening to this, this is the section I want you to understand from the coaching side of things. Ryan did a great highlight of the art of coaching, understanding the main problem and not treating the symptoms, like you said. You know, if your whale extract is crushing it and you've been consistently using it, obviously that magic is working somehow. Oh yeah, stick um, with it. But, but here's the thing is, what he did is, is something that a lot of coaches miss. Um, uh, and this separates a, a average coach from a great coach. So highlighting, understanding, hey, let's walk through kind of your schedule, understanding your stress, understanding the client's psychological side of decision-making is very important to be able to understand, hey, what is gonna result from this? Because let's say a person is, I'm just giving you an example. Let's say a client is super stressed out, like you said, has low blood sugar in the middle of the night waking up binge eating in the middle of the night because they they can't sleep um and they're just you know resorting to that you know if a person is uh, of a an average coach is treating that like oh well that's just part of prep like kind of dismissing it in a sympathetic response instead of being empathetic and understanding the art of coaching of hey here's the root cause of it um and so you guys do a great job of root cause analysis in that side of things and um really treating the problem as it is and not Hey, here's the result <laughs> of my problem. Um, so guys really listen and understand this part um, because this is something, if you're listening as a coach, that it really needs to be highlighted on. And it comes with practice and time. So they don't teach this in school. Um, so really listen to this <laughs> side of it. No, they do not. <laughs> um, no, I think something like another side note that you can kind of like tell me if you agree with this or not. is like, sure. There's this movement in the evidence-based community that like if someone's using a supplement or a method that's not like hasn't been researched or fleshed out by like all these meta-analyses and whatnot, it's like, oh, you're taking BCAAs? You must be a fucking idiot! Yeah. <laughs> They're just dunking on their clients. And it's like, yo, like maybe he or she just, you know, feels a little benefit from it, likes the taste of it. So we try, we try and just... Like if the client comes to you and they say, hey, you know, this really helps me out. Remember that a placebo effect is still an effect. So if it's helping, or even if they think it's helping, <laughs> just let them run with it. Oh my gosh, that's so true. Because <laughs> um, I, I think that's something that like a lot of, and I would agree with you on that. This is just kind of a, a side note too. Um, a lot of people come out of their education, they're taught, hey, this is, this is what works. This is the statistics behind it. You shouldn't follow this, but like you said, if they, they're consistent and they're using this as, and they're feeling better, why the hell would you not use it? I mean, truthfully. So I think that's great, but we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more as well. So um, here's, here's what I really want to dive into. I know we talked about the art of coaching a little bit. We just prefaced it a little bit, um, but red flags that you're seeing if a client comes to you. So say they, they were at a different coach, they're seeing a lot of red, you're seeing a lot of red flags. 
What are some of those red flags or misinformation that you see other coaches implementing during prep? And I know earlier you mentioned like, hey, crash dieting right away. Like, hey, let's throw them at a thousand calories and figure it out. You know what I mean? And then throw in a ton of cardio and make them feel like death. Um, are there some red flags that you're seeing that like clients come to you from other coaches? I'm not, you don't have to say who the coaches are clearly. Don't have to name I'm going to call you out. <laughs> yeah, bro. What are you doing with this club? But here, like, are you seeing any of those that are coming to you that are like, Hey, these are red flags that people should be aware of that are listening to this podcast. Um, or at least if they have a coach right now and they're not aware of it at all, they're like, Oh my God, this is something that I haven't even noticed. And now I'm realizing like the importance of it. This is one where like you ask the question and just a million things pop into your brain. So I'm going to try and be like succinct and, you know, clear with it and brief. But if the tangents start going, you know, the tangents go. Yeah, that's fair. So the first one, you already brought it up. So we'll just start there. The nutrition issues. So starting someone too low, too early. So like the classic example of like, you know, you start a 220 pound male contest prep, you start them on like 1800 calories, right? It's this super restrictive meal plan that has, you know, very lean proteins, pretty much veggies and the carbohydrates are almost non-existent in it as well as the fats. Um, on the women's side of thing, it's that like 800 to a thousand calorie diet. And you know, things look great out of the gate, right? Mm -hmm. Fat is coming off quick. Weight's coming off quick. Adherence is, is okay early on. And then things start to get bad. So there are going to be some side effects that come with, you know, having your fats or your carbohydrates too low early on. What a lot of kind of, I guess we can just call them like bro coaches. I don't really like to throw that around, but that's what we'll call them. Um, protein is never really an issue. It's very pervasive in bodybuilding culture that what it's like, you should have one ounce of chicken breast per pound of body weight, right? Yeah. You really got to run up that protein. So protein's never really an issue. It's the fats and the carbs. So when fats are low, you run into issues with sex hormone dysfunction. So you see a decrease in both of the sex hormones. So that affects both men, men and women. And when carbohydrates are too low, you see that fiber starts to drop off. So you get some of the negative side effects that are associated with a low fiber diet, whether that's, you know, um, irregularity in your bowel movements, things stuck up in there, um, both that comes with that low fiber, um, as well as a decrease in performance when you drop your carbohydrates. If you've ever been someone who has gone on a super low carbohydrate diet and tried to train like a bodybuilder does with a good amount of volume at a reasonably high intensity, you'll notice that your performance will drop off pretty rapidly. And if you don't have the fats in there to kind of supplement it with, you're never gonna really get into that kind of like ketosis either to have some sort of substrate to run on you also get these simplistic meal plans where individuals are chronically low in certain micronutrients. So things that I've seen in women, so women on bro meal plans, they're often very low in iron so they can get like anemia halfway through the contest prep. If you've ever had anemia before, um, it's not a fun experience. Performance drops off in almost anything. Um, and then issues with like low sodium or electrolytes. So a lot of coaches still push kind of that like low sodium diet you know, sodium is bad for you. You got to keep your sodium super low, decreases in hydration, again, drop off in performance. And you'll also see, have some issues with, with cramping as well. So that's what I had on nutrition. Do you have anything to jump in there? Um, so one thing that I, I commonly see that's very similar to that is they give a structured, very similar to what you said, structured meal plan. And they're like, this is the way, like the Mandalorian type, type of things. And I think that's 
it's important, like you said, later on in a contest prep to have like your variables eliminated. But if you're a quote unquote bro coach and you're like, follow my meal plan, let's let's do this many calories. I kind of laid this out earlier, but this many calories this week, this many calories this week. And if you're not following that adherence wise, then what are you doing? You're not a good, you know, bodybuilder or whatever you want to call it, physique competitor. Um, so that's something I also want to highlight on, but I think you did a great job of really understanding, you know, electrolyte imbalance is something too, like cramping is something. Um, I know a, a, a client, uh, not of mine, but of a friend of a coach that I know um, who was cramping while they were biking, just just casually biking down the road, um, trying to get some cardio and they couldn't stand up. Um, so those are things that like are commonly seen that are red flags, I think, from my side of things. But you, I want you to keep going. I think you're doing a great job. Keep it rolling. Hey, I appreciate that. You know, positive affirmation as I move my way through here. <laughs> um, so the next one that I wanted to highlight was training issues. So, and this kind of really runs the spectrum in terms of how coaches are messing up their clients' training. Um, most coaches will rely too heavily on intensity, volume, or a combination of both. Mm-hmm. Um, they end up kind of just throwing the kitchen sink at their clients, and it's it's sink or swim. Mm-hmm. And the genetically elite who swim look amazing on it, mm-hmm. and the other 90% of people end up with elbows that they can't even bend because they're so sore, <laughs> and their shoulders, knees, whatever it is, are just completely broken. Right. Um, I, I picked up a client a few months ago who came from a very popular coach. And again, we won't name names here. Um, but the, the plan, the training plan was titled maximal intensity, minimal bullshit. Oh, you've, got, <laughs> you've got my attention in I come. <laughs> One of the first things it says on there is if every set is not to failure, you are wasting my time. Wow. Like, bold. That is bold. Wow. Coming in real hot there. Like imagine being just like, just imagine being someone who's never prepped before. And that's like the first thing you read. Like, oh, wow, this went from being intimidating to full on nightmare fuel. Of how am I going to get through this? Um, another issue, a lot of coaches, uh, they rely on too much variation. So you get some coaches that believe that the kind of, Hashtag shock the body. I love shock the body. Hashtag, that's hilarious. That will never not be funny to me. Um, But they rely on too much variation. So changing exercises up too frequently. So limiting the capacity for adaptation and how you're actually going to track those adaptations. And then there are some coaches who are on the opposite side of that who use almost no variation whatsoever. It's the coaches that want to, you know, I want to prep all the way through squat, bench, deadlift, and that's all that we're going to do. Just going to hit the big three. That's all you need in life. You don't even need food as long as you're squatting, benching, and deadlifting. And then you run into the issues of stagnation, adaptive resistance, overuse injuries, all of that. I was once a bodybuilder who squat, bench, deadlift my way all the way through prep. And good God, did my knees hate me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Jeez. Um, the nightmare fuel, I want to highlight that real quick. Um, that's that's a good terminology to use for seeing some of this stuff that keeps me up at night, I guess. Um, personally, I think this is all anecdote. So I want to go from, from that side of things. This is not like, this is what they see in research inside of things. Um, purely anecdotal, which we've pretty much done most of this podcast. Um but seeing some of those things is a red flag for sure. I think, like you said, like understanding the training side of things is important. Um, and having a discussion of educating, empowering your clients to understand 
hey, you know, at this part of prep, you're going to feel like death when you go into the gym. Um, this this is going to be a normal part of the process, but um, as long as we're calculated in what we're doing and understanding, hey, we're communicating effectively, you can have a successful client step on stage. Want to kill yourself to the point where, hey, this this contest prep is going to make me feel like death the next five years of my life in some sort of fashion. Um, so I think those are some things I really want to highlight before we move into the to the next question here. You so, want to talk about health issues? This next one is all about health issues. Yeah. So the next big red flag from the, that I see from coaches is an over reliance on drugs. So. Oh, yeah. We won't get into any mentions of like PEDs or anything like that. And I'll just simply leave it as coaches are giving people, men and women, too much drugs. Too much. I understand that you don't know how to train, write out training. I understand that you don't know how to understand that you don't know how to like implement a good nutrition plan, but please don't plug those gaps with drugs because you're going to seriously, seriously hurt people. So you see women on dosages that are high for men. Sure. You see men on dosages that are killing them. I mean, you hear stories all the time about these bodybuilders that are dropping dead at ridiculously young ages. Like you simply don't need that much. Learn the smart way to do things. If you want to go the enhanced side, use that to enhance your physique, not create your physique. Sure. So that should just bolster yeah. what you're already doing. Yeah, I really like like what you said, like enhance your physique, not create your physique, because truthfully, um, uh, I, I've, I've seen individuals who are taking, uh, they measured the, the dosage of this individual and compared it to a horse racing, um, and they, they're taking, you know, specific drugs uh, that a high performance race horse is taking, and the horse, think about that, is like four times, if not greater, I don't know the exact, you know, size comparison. A racehorse is significantly larger than a male individual bodybuilder who's an average height of probably maybe five foot eight to five foot ten, right? So just keep that in mind in comparison to understanding the, the educated route to, like you said, enhance your physique, not create it. So I think that's fantastic. Anything else that you would like to add under that those side of things, right? Two others, gonna nail them quick, back to back. Peaking issues. So people who simply don't understand how a peak week should go. They don't understand the manipulation of electrolytes, sodium, potassium, and carbohydrates, and they don't comprehend the role that diuretics play in the process. Again, if you're going that enhanced route. Here's the thing, you shouldn't need diuretics. Do they offer an advantage? Yes. Are they illegal? Yes. Are they extremely dangerous? Yes, they can be, but we have to kind of work in the real world where people are and they're using diuretics all the time so if you are a coach who is going that route it's important to understand what role all of those play and then a, a peaking issue that i see almost every coach make is just changing too many variables at once they're changing salt they're changing water they're changing potassium carbohydrates are moving around every single day they're flat they're watery they're full they're spilled over and quite honestly, they just don't know what they're looking for. And then they don't know how to fix it. So they just change everything. And how many times have you seen someone who looks really, really good at two weeks out? And then on stage, they look like a water buffalo. Yeah. Because it's just misunderstanding of, of how to peak. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. And the last one is the last one's communication issues. So that's just I I, I hear horror stories all the time. Um, Anthony Plaza, a client of mine who's also coaching gifted um his coach sent him his peak week plan at two weeks out and then never talked to him again he still hasn't talked to the guy you hear about clients that get ghosted for months no communication whatsoever no check-ins no procedure for stuff like that um and 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 it's an issue because people are paying a good amount of money for this stuff and they don't deserve a service like that yeah i would totally agree um i want to highlight a couple things in regard to like peaking specifically um what I like to say with peaking, too, is if this is just more of a visual diagram, if you were to look at a pie chart and 95% of your prep was uh, like up till the last week of essentially your peaking. Um, so 95% of your prep should be, you should be already getting towards the leanness level. You should not be like somewhat staging and then throw in a peak week. That's just not how, that's, that's that won't work. You're going to step on stage and you're going to get blasted. You're going to get bodied by the person next to you. Um, the second thing is another thing with peak week is understanding, like you said, the electrolytes, um, the old school approach, which some bros still use, which blows my mind is like depleting sodium, depleting water. If you're on a diuretic on top of that, the electrolyte imbalances could cause you some really serious cardiac issues. Um, so be very aware of that. Um, and then the last thing here along the lines of peaking week, or peak week is know your clients. If you can do a test peak week ahead of time, um, ideally like a, two to three weeks out or maybe even a month out. Um, and then hopefully backloading them into the show, they're going to look better. I mean, as a coach, like you want the, the best for them and, and making sure that they feel they're going to feel better on stage too. Um, so there's some metabolic adaptation with that, but I want to highlight some of those things because a lot of people get too wrapped up in peak week and they're like, Oh my God, this is, it's peak week. This is like 75% of what I need to do. And instead it's the opposite. It's like 5% uh, of the majority of prep. So I think what you talked about are some really good highlights with that. Um, along with specific drugs and understanding the real world of that application. So I'll let you, I'll let you steal one of my sayings. Ready? During peak week, you can fix flat, but you can't fix fat. Oh, so take that and do it. If you put it on a t-shirt, just, just send me the residual. Send me at least, at least like, we'll say 99% of your profit on that. <laughs> I'll give we'll, you we'll agree to that. Yeah. I'll give you a royalty fee with that. I think that's perfect. Um, that's, that's fantastic. I, I love what you said with that and understanding the conciseness and clarity within that. Um, so guys, make sure that you do reach out to Ryan. If you do have questions regarding regarding his specific saying and getting a royalty fee with that. So, um, <laughs> otherwise, um, what he's saying is don't steal my stuff. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, so I think overall, Ryan, you, you highlight with your team specifically of understanding why you guys go beyond above and beyond because there's coaches everywhere guys. And so what's going to make the difference between, um, their team versus another team and the teams now are, are a really big thing. So understanding like, Asking your coach questions of, you know, how do you communicate effectively all throughout a prep too is important from the client side of things. So ask those questions, understand your coach, um, and get to know them a little bit better. Um, so anything else you'd like to add? I know it kind of, kind of went on a tangent there. So Yeah, we did a little bit of a tangent, but that's okay. The tangents are where the best information is. That's exactly right. Um, so 
in regard to data collection and the advancement of technology, everyone's getting all this information out there. There's a coach I know specifically who's using, um, they're not using any scale weights, which is interesting um, as, a, as a marker of contest prep. They're only using body circumference, which that's, you know, that's his strategy. Um, and they're using like Staiku, like the 3D body measurements. Um, yeah. So those are examples of it. But in regard to data collection, the advancement of technology, is there anything you have you have or are seeing that is impacting specifically the psychological fatigue in regard to physique competition? And this is more of, of along the lines of like body dysmorphia or um, looking in the mirror and being like, what the hell am I looking at type thing? Man, those those body circumference guys, they must be really on to something. If only Ronnie Coleman had taken his body circumferences, he would have been such a better bodybuilder. <laughs> he would have been so much better if he could have logged all his stuff in my fitness pal, right? <laughs> I would totally. He's just so yeah. <laughs> a little bit a little bit in jest there. A lot of the advancement in technology from like, here's a new way to test your body fat, here's a way to track your training progress, your total training load over the last sixty-nine point four twenty days. It's like a lot of it is just like mental masturbation from people like trying to reinvent the wheel, acting like, you know, they've got some sort of special mojo or just trying to sell you something. And I respect the hustle. So sell away. Yeah. Um, In terms of technology, I did highlight some stuff. Uh, Social media (laughs) is social media is, you know, it's social media. I think it's it's one of the worst things for competitors in recent years, because I think competitors are naturally a very neurotic um, breed. So social media has allowed them to spend hours late at night when they're already not feeling super confident about themselves, scrolling, finding other people that are competing with a similar time frame, finding other people who are competing in the same show. And I get these DMs at like midnight from my clients. They're like, oh my God, this girl's gonna be at my show. What are we gonna do? Like, I don't know, keep dieting, do our best and see what happens, something like that. so a lot of social media has kind of created this focus on others, kind of like these, this external viewpoint instead of like, what can I do to be my best? Like, what is everyone else doing? Should I be doing what they're doing? And a lot of what I can't stand on social media is people self-handicapping. So where they're like, you know, I got, I did really well at this show, but I was sick a week out. And you know, my mom's dog had diarrhea two days before the show. So I like really couldn't do my best. And it's like, man, can we just get back to the days when people had some sort of self-confidence and they went on social media and they were like, yo, I prepped, it was 20 weeks, it was hard. I had ab veins, I looked like, I looked amazing up there. I shitted on the competition and I am the man. And everyone in the comments is like, yeah, dude, you crushed it, you're the best. Like, let's get back to that environment instead of like this, you know, four Harry Potter book long, excuse list of why you could have done a little bit better that's my diatribe on social media (laughs) i think that's super accurate um another thing is like highlighting uh, like you said like at night they're scrolling through instagram they're like like you said they're researching who they're competing against it's just like uh i talked to an ifbb pro um on a podcast couple a couple podcasts back but she highlights something that she's like i just eliminate social media the week of not a bad idea yeah and I was like, you know, that's a good strategy to get your mind off that. Cause you're already, you know, psychologically just cashed at this point. And then you're like, okay, now I'm going to make myself get all depressed and make things way worse than they should be. 
Um, yeah. Versus, like you said, stepping on stage, knowing that you did the best you could, knowing that you gave the best package possible and trying to beat yourself. And that's the tough thing. Um, another thing that I want to kind of go off here real quick is the glamour of competing um, is something that is becoming more common. Um, I think and not people not understanding of, you know, what it feels like to go through a prep. If you're seeing it from the outside and you're a first time competitor, you're like, man, that looks cool. I want to step on stage and look freaking shredded. Um, and what they're realizing is this sucks. Like this ultimately is going to like really push me to the limits. And that's, and that's great if you want to get there. But if you're in it for just the fame and glamour of like, Hey, I got a trophy. Look at me. Like, here's my Instagram likes. Like that's, that's, you need to ask yourself that question before you get into the prep. And I don't really understand why you're doing it. Um, so I just wanted to go off and talk about that real quick and highlight some of the things with that. But I think, like you said, social media is something that as a coach, you need to be aware of and, and understand like, hey, your clients may reach out to you, like you said, in the middle of the night and be like, what the hell, why am I not going to win this show? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but anything else, Ryan, anything else you want to add? A uh, couple other things in terms of technology. So, like my fitness pal is like the big one that everyone uses. I know there's like my macros and all sorts of food tracking apps, flexible dieting apps. Mm-hmm. Start off by saying, awesome, love them. They're great. As a whole, 98% of the time, they are helpful for people. However, there's that 2%, and it's again, it's the crazy bodybuilders who, at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, they're on there for three hours trying to figure out how they can move foods around to fit in, you know, one chocolate chip, or they can, you know, lick a cookie or something like that at the end of the day. And it's really, really driving this serious food focus that is hard to shift out of when you get out of contest prep. So it's really kind of difficult to get out of that food obsession when you leave prep. So what I encourage my clients to do, especially as the diet gets harder and they're going to have food on their mind more frequently, is to go into MyFitnessPal at the beginning of the day, log all their food for the day, close the app. Don't open the app again. You know what you're eating for the day, you're good to go, it fits your macros, just go through the day and live your life because I know I've done it before. I'm sure you have clients that have done it before that are on there trying to macro hack their way into some tasty treats. And when you're super hungry, those tasty treats don't really do much for you and can oftentimes lead to a binging episode or can sometimes lead to a binging episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think like what you said is a good coaching application. Um, Logging your foods ahead of time and closing the app takes away the stress of being, like you said, I like the hacking side of thing. I think of goodwill hunting at that point. Yeah. Chalkboard. But, <laughs> but you're at the end of the day. And I, like you said, um, like anecdotally, I have done it as well, where, you know, you get to the end of the day and you're like, how do I make this work? Um, and so you're like, I'm going to eat a fourth of this, like you said, cookie or something <laughs> or licking a cookie. I think that's good. But, um, knowing that, hey, if I can just set myself up for success, know that I did all these foods throughout the day, you know what you're gonna eat, you've been tracking for X amount of time, you know how it works. Um, So I think that's a good strategy. Other strategies that I like to say, um, especially with contest prep is knowing, hey, communicating with yourself or your support group or whatever is, hey, I'm gonna go out to eat, I'm gonna eat beforehand. Those are some things that pop up too that really people get stuck. with is going out to eat, socializing, those type of things. So making sure that your client understands like, 
hey, I'm here to support you. If you're in this situation, I can help you navigate through that. Um, and no, you can lean on your coach too in those situations where instead of feeling like at the end of the day, you don't have any options, um, asking your coach like, hey, in the future, how would I better prepare for this? And I know that's kind of an ego check for some people because they're like, I want to be in control. I want to be able to do this, but it's okay to ask for help. Um, and so I want to be very clear on that. Does that kind of blow your mind when clients do that? They're like, oh, I didn't want to text you at the end of the day because I don't, I didn't want to bother you. The shame, yeah. What are you, what are you paying me for? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm here to help you. Um, exactly. Yeah, I, I totally agree. The shame and guilt that comes with reporting even a weight is, is, is frustrating enough. And then like, if they're not on progress or on track, they're like, well, they're going to take more calories from me. Like, yep. it's not like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a two-way street. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're the one eating the food. Like, I don't, Sometimes, you know, I get a little bit frustrated with that, but that's how the game works, right? Um, but is there anything else you want to go go into a little bit more in depth here? Last one, and it's kind of a pet peeve for me, is just the over-reliance in the bodybuilding community. Bodybuilders like to just take things that don't apply to them or that have been researched outside of bodybuilding, like, oh, this works in bodybuilding. And that's these like HRV, whoop bands, all the sleep metrics and stuff. So I think that if you are a very data-driven individual, you like to have as much data as you possibly can. This stuff is awesome. Go for it, implement it, write it all down, but you need to understand what it actually means for you. And what I mean by that is if you wake up after, you know, it's the week before your deload. So in your, you're in your most overloading week of your program, and you're also on extremely low calories and you're you wake up and your whoop says you're not very recovered no shit no kidding you're on your hardest week of training you're not eating anything don't text me your whoop band or whatever your whoop report whatever it is and be like hey coach i'm really under recovered can i have a refeed or a diet break you know like sneaky i see what you're doing but also absolutely not so this stuff works really well for like athletics. You yep. wake up, you're under recovered. You say, all right, I need to auto-regulate my training. I need an easier day today. Maybe I'll do a, an aerobic capacity piece instead of my anaerobic threshold or my hard intervals or my hard weightlifting session. Cool. Love it. Smart application there. Bodybuilders, cut it out. You've got your structure. You've got your plan. Follow the plan. There are going to be periods where you're under recovered. Don't worry about it because we're going to make that up during the deload, during the diet break, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to highlight the specific of the data-driven side of things, like you said, is understanding consistency. Is the, you're, you're a bodybuilder, you've known, you know how consistency works, you've trained your whole life, and you get to a point where you're like, okay, contest prep, you know, I'm understanding, like, there is important data that I need. But like you said, like, understanding, like, the, what does this information tell me? right don't just take the information and be like i'm like you said under recovered like like you said obviously that's very clear because like you said i'm low in calories or i'm low in food and i'm also training at a higher intensity clearly but if you don't understand that going into that that's something that you need to have a conversation with yourself about um and staying consistent with your tracking right if you're consistently tracking like your neat or whatever you want to call it with like an apple watch or like uh whatever a fitbit watch whatever as long as it's staying consistent you're getting data that's consistent that's the important things out of it i think the technology can be used significantly for your advantage 
Um, from my personal side of things, I think you can really use it to get the be best data possible, like coming out of a prep. Like how many steps do I need? Do I need to lower my steps to help with you know, reverse dieting at that point? Um, I think it's very useful, but understand the reason why you're using it as well, so. I'm just waiting for a client to like email me and troll me one time. Like my mood ring says that I'm angry and I'm a Sagittarius. <laughs> and my horoscope says that I need tacos. And you're like, how did it know? <laughs> how could I go against the horoscope? Go for it. You're two yeah. weeks out. Go, go, go get some tacos. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but I think overall, guys, if you do have questions regarding the technology side of things too, ask about them because that's another thing that for some reason clients don't feel empowered to ask questions like that because they maybe they feel like they sound dumb you're not asking a dumb question it's relevant so keep going into those side of things but um okay anything else that you want to go into on the regarding technology and the use of it nope i like it i like where we're at on technology okay sweet so if you guys find a mood ring that predicts horoscope and tacos let me know yeah, um, sign up a gifted performance. No, actually sign up at <laughs> WPB Consulting. We don't want you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll take you, I guess. <laughs> um, what are So last question here, and then we'll kind of wrap things up here. Um, so we're going to ask this question, and then we're going to ask the final question, um, and, and then we're going to hopefully publish this here. Um, what are improvements in the physique community that you would like to see, that you're seeing right now that you're like, you know, I would really like to see the competition community go this way or avoid this direction? What are some things that you would like to see? Is it more of like technology based? Is it like rules and regulations? Is it the social media side of things? Tell me what you think that you would like to see. This is just a personal question for you. I think it's a, so I have like a little bit of everything that I want to improve and I'll preface what I'm saying, but I, I, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I think that the physique community, especially in the online space, is moving in the right direction. And it's moving in that direction pretty quickly. So you see people who are doing a really good job and they're getting the spotlight, a bigger spotlight, more frequently. So when exactly this happened, I'm, I'm not super sure. I think back to oh, Jesus, like 2012, 2013. I remember like Matt Ogus's like vlogs on YouTube with Eric Helms and they were, you know, they were talking about how they were auto-regulating their training and how they were flexible dieting their way through prep. And I think just because of who Matt Ogus was and the way he looked, I think that he was a great ambassador for moving that forward. And it really started to get everything going in the right direction in terms of having it like being cool to be evidence-based being cool to be scientific in bodybuilding because before that you got your bodybuilding information from magazines from sure. pros from the biggest guy at the gym and i'm not saying that it's a bad place to get information from i'm just saying that there, there might be a better source or there might be a more diverse source so that you can become a better bodybuilder pursuer of fitness holistically so people that I really like their podcasts that I enjoy um, I think Steve Hall does a great job at Revive Stronger and that's not just because Paul has been on the podcast a couple times I think Steve does a really good job he curates his, his hosts or his guests very very well and puts out some quality information um, Jeff Nippard uh, Jeff Nipples I think he does a really fantastic job of kind of taking very very scientific information and distilling it down 
and you know producing some high quality videos that are appealing to watch short enough so that people are getting some good information uh eric helms and omar isa do a really good job at iron culture it's a really fun podcast to listen to um and on the supplemental side of things my goodness if examine.com kamal patel let me just say kamal i have a man crush on you why are you so smart you're you're pretty handsome too <laughs> tone down one or the other if you're gonna be that smart you gotta be hideous you gotta look like an ogre but if i had examine.com 10 years ago i would have so much more money actually that's a lie my mom would have so much more money <laughs> her credit card on bodybuilding.com let's go make it rain make it rain <laughs> I was buying every supplement. So examine.com does a great job of breaking down supplements, provide high quality information there. You got subscription services like Mass. This is a long diatribe to say that I think the fitness industry is is moving quickly in the right direction. On the bodybuilding side of things, I would have to agree as well. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with accounts like Sulios. Um, things like bodybuilders without borders that are giving the spotlight to bodybuilders who are doing a good job and maybe don't have the following that they should there's more accounts like that popping up every day which is good so it kind of gives exposure to good bodybuilders and good coaches who maybe don't have that following that they should quite yet sure yeah um as a whole i think fitness is just getting cool right so fitness has never been cooler than it is today do it like you said bodybuilding People think it's glamorous until they get into it, but it looks glamorous from the outside. Whereas before it was like, here's Dorian Yates and he's training in a dungeon and his training partner is screaming and spitting on his face. And you're like, wow, that ain't it for me. But now it's like, you got these like bang energy drink girls that are shredded to the bone with ab veins, dancing around a pool, having the time of your life. And you're like, you don't feel that good. I know you don't feel that good being that lean, but from the outside, it looks cool. It looks sweet. Absolutely. Yeah, the perception is significantly there. Um, I, I want to highlight a couple things um, that Ryan mentioned is any of those resources that he mentioned for bringing some more clarity. I know that's our mission at WPB Consulting is to bring clarity to coaching, but um, those are great resources as well. I highlight, highly recommend like mass if you're looking into getting more into the literature side of things. Um, but if you're looking for more of like the podcast of practical application, Jeff Nippard, uh, Revive Stronger, those are two really great from Steve Hall. Those are two really great um, ones. And then also the whole team 3, 3DMJ has content from years back. I mean, oh, yeah. totally. so if you want to go into the depths of the rabbit hole, you know, that's the where to start. Um, and really get a basis as well. So that is awesome. Anything else that you want to share here? I think you mentioned a lot. Yeah, so on the social media side of things, again, how I'd like to see a little bit change. So I highlighted the positive, highlight the negative a little bit. Um, I It's a big pet peeve of mine when evidence-based individuals focus more on kind of like dunking on bad coaches or being like, hey, look at this idiot over here. Look what he's prescribing. Look at how he or she is hurting their clients. Like that person doesn't deserve the time of day that you're giving them. They don't deserve the platform that you're giving them. I understand the mentality of wanting to help people and highlighting that as bad information. But how long have there been snake oil salesmen, bad coaches, people out there giving bad information and people always fall for it no matter what you do, no matter how you expose them, you, you know, myth bust them, whatever it is, the myths 
the snake oil, it's always gonna be there. So again, instead of the external, let's focus on the internal. How can I, myself as a coach, my coaching group, whatever I work with, how can I put out good information and how can I get it to as many people as possible as opposed to focusing on the bad? Because the bad stuff will always be there. Right. BCAAs are trash, bro. <laughs> Idiot, dumb piece of shit. What are you doing? What are you thinking? And then you see like some innocent guy come on there who's like, oh, I, just, I didn't know. Like, I didn't know I'm an idiot. Oh, no. I saw like a meme that was in regard to the BCAs where it's like the more colorful your BCAs, the more power you have in the gym. And I was like, that's a fact. <laughs> yeah. And there's a and there's a very, very popular kind of fit fluencer who's been around for, the wa- for a while. We'll just say that he thinks that he invented reverse dieting. And this is like the entirety of the content that he puts out is just talking bad about other people. Sure. It's like, dude, like, and he's always talking about like, you know, why won't these myths die? And it's like, cause you keep bringing it up, man. He said, like, <laughs> exactly. If you want to let it die, then let it die. Don't bring it up. Put out content instead of saying, here's a myth. It's dumb. It's false. How about you just put on content that doesn't myth- address the myth at all. Here's the right way to do it. So instead of, you know, oh, clean eating is dumb, clean eating is stupid. Why would you ever do that? Flexible dieting is so much better. Just put out information about flexible diet. Skip the negative step introduce the positive instead absolutely so i think overall you know if you guys do want to reach out again to ryan understanding about his bcaa's phenomenon um let him know he will give you the best information possible Um, yeah we sell bcaa's on the website so if you want them just hit me up you know 99 (laughs) five payments of 99.99 and it gets you like 30 servings it's just like basically what they're priced at <laughs> you're about to go super saiyan in the gym um perfect contact. um but overall i think you, you highlight a lot of really good points here um just understanding hey if you are an in like let's say you want to get educated and influence others however you want to do that in the fitness world like you said understanding like the negatives come with it or highlighting that is important to know um also the glamour of like you said, the bang energy girls partying around the pool, you know, they're not feeling great when they're doing that. So that's also what I want to be very clear on. Um, because it's cool to look a certain way, but also feel a certain way. It's very important. No one wants to feel like death. Um, and then last thing here, um, we're going to ask one more question here. This is not scripted. So prepare that. The rest of it was a hundred percent scripted. I'm reading off a teleprompter right now. <laughs> It's, it's like Bob Barker on The Price is Right. Um, so I think the last thing here we're going to ask is, this is all how we finalize all of our podcasts, is Ryan, you did a great job of really emphasizing how you bring clarity to coaching. Um, but the last question is, you know, what do you want your these listeners to know how you bring clarity to coaching or your team brings clarity to coaching? As concise as you can bring it. So what, oh man, I don't remember the quote. I think it was like an Einstein quote. He talks about how, true intellect is being able to take very very complex information and distill it down so that everyone can understand it and that's what our big mission statement is at gifted performance is we know that there's a lot of information to dig through in the field we know that a lot of it can seem very intimidating very complicated so it's our job as your coach as educators as as fitness i'm not even gonna say it i was gonna say influencers but i'm not gonna say it because that uh, i don't want to don't don't put that evil on me ricky bobby (laughs) 
But just to distill it down so that it's easy, not only to understand, but to implement in your life. Because people have a lot of very complex things going on in their life. Health and fitness should not be two of those complex things. It should be bing, bang, boom. I knock it out for the day. I improve my health. And then I live a long, healthy life. Mm -hmm. Yep. They're, tr they're creating you into the Terminator is what they're trying to do um, to some scene. I can take that. I'll do that. Um, but no, I think like your guys' mission statement is fantastic. And what you guys are doing a Gifted Performance, please check them out. It's why we have them on the podcast. They're truly a great team and they have the results to prove it. So it's not like they're just saying it. They have the results to prove it. Um, but if you guys have any questions, I'll include all of Ryan's information um, in the description of this podcast below. Also, if you want to reach out to us on how we bring clarity to coaching, I got to give us a drop here. Um, but making sure that you reach out to us because we want to provide that clarity to coaching and help empower you to be successful long-term. So overall, uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Ryan. Is there anything else you want to add to here today before we let you go? Final thing to add, my client list is full. Hire Austin instead. He's pretty good at what he does. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, I really appreciate that, Ryan. But if, like I said, if you guys have any questions, absolutely reach out and then we'll try to get you his in, or get the information to him as quickly as possible. So thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to me ramble. <laughs> Thank you so much. And once again, we hope that you guys can uh, really reach out to us and let us know if you have any questions. So. All right. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast with Ryan of Gifted Performance. If you'd like to reach out to Ryan, you can follow him on Instagram at The Squat Father, or you can follow his team at Gifted Performance. In addition, if you are curious to understand more about his team and program, please reach out to me. If you're interested in our follow us at WPB Consulting on Facebook and Instagram. We can't thank you guys enough for listening to today's episode. So by encouraging you guys to share, like, and let your friends know about our podcast, we can grow even bigger. We can't thank you enough. And as always, reach out to us if you're trying to bring clarity to coaching. Thank you.